Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together business owners, leaders and experts to talk about their business journeys and provide them with invaluable insights and explore the link between personal and business success. I am your host, Warren Munson, founder of Evolve. I've previously founded, grown and successfully exited three businesses in the business services and technology sectors. I have a passion for helping and advising businesses and seeing them succeed. We all know that leading and running a business comes with its own unique joys and challenges and Evolve provides the advice, guidance and support to the business, you and your teams on that journey, be that if you're starting, growing or looking to exit or step away from your business. We do this through our Ignite, Thrive and Optimize programs and services, which includes strategic advice, coaching and mentoring, leadership training, funded business support and so much more. If you want to learn more about Evolve, then please do go to evolveadvisory.co.uk or connect and message me on LinkedIn. For now though, let's just get on with the show. This week, I'm talking to Lee Hill, MD and founder in 2016 of Insightful, a business that has evolved into two new businesses recently, Runway and The Study. Lee works with individuals and businesses who are not only striving for growth, but are customer obsessed. He believes that being customer obsessed will lead to faster growth whilst retaining larger profits. And who doesn't want that? Part of Lee's philosophy is that a business should move from being revenue focused to customer lifetime income focused. Not only will this reduce your cost per sale, it will drive more income from every customer by producing services and products that are of real value and then marketing to them in a way that shows you're solving their real problems better than your competitor. As well as talking about his own entrepreneurial journey and how it was sparked by the yo-yoing of management he witnessed in his corporate life, Lee opens up on a number of topics from his unique approach to starting Insightful, the collaborative culture in Dorset's digital sector and how the business has evolved organically to how being emotionally and caring about people has affected his leadership. He also gives some great advice on the best route to starting a business services company as well as digital growth strategies and how to better understand your audience and customer journey. I really hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Lee, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation here and a bit about your own kind of business journey as a co-founder, but also to talk to you about the work that you do now at Runway and the study in terms of helping businesses uh, develop and grow their businesses. So we should probably start a little bit, Lee, with your journey. So as I understand it, you co-founded a business called Insightful in two. 2016. That's right, yeah. How did that journey come about? What made you decide it was time to go alone? So I was in the corporate environment working in financial services and kept on seeing the yo-yo of management. Okay. You know, one minute we were all running left and then the next minute we were running right. Yeah. And it just becomes a bit disheartening after a while, especially if you know you're doing good things, you're adding value. So when missions change and, and I guess the core values and where the new direction of travel changes, sometimes you think, actually, I need to jump ship now because my values and yeah. what I think is the right approach and where we should be going is is, uh, is not aligned. 
So yeah, I started to think about a year in advance as to what I might do. I wanted to stay in the area, very aware that the the area is filled with amazing digital agencies and digital talent. So we didn't want to replicate the, uh, the typical model. Spoke to lots of great people, you know, the likes of Ali Carmichael and lots of other MDs in the area just getting advice and guidance and, and things like that and really appreciative of, of the, the time that was given to me back then. Learned about what they wouldn't do now, what mm. to do and, and tried to just figure out a position in the market, something yeah. new that would actually add value again and also leaning on my own skills. Mm. And one of the things that I'd always been brought in for businesses is to help them understand the true value or the revenue potential of a website okay so as opposed to just building one that looks pretty yeah. you know instead of just being a branded kind of yeah. yeah we were moving into those realms of of people obviously wanting to generate decent income from them uh, and behind that is the whole science and you know i've learned about that and learned how to forecast what's possible so I set up Insightful and initially we went out with one product and it was a very it was a, a web audit okay which essentially on one hand looked at how the website could be improved but also showed the revenue uplift if there was some investment made into it as well. Okay. So really just that it's what's really interesting so far in that in that short piece of conversation is that the digital, you know, we're talking about Paul Bournemouth Christchurch, you know, Dorset, there is a huge digital community, isn't it? But yeah. it's really interesting to see how supportive it would appear to have been to a, a possible new entrant and competitor. And it is yeah. a really collaborative environment. Yeah, and I think it still is. It's really weird. I mean, Matt Desmond does a good job of getting us all together every yeah. Christmas as well. Still, <laughs> yeah. I think there's... I think there's probably another 80, you know, MDCOs getting together this Christmas. Yeah, it's a really good group. I don't think people feel like they're in direct competition necessarily, mm. you know, and, and, and if we are, you know, it's 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 up to the, the best team to, to win the work. Uh, but, you know, there's so many niches and variables yeah. in digital and marketing and things. There's, there's plenty of place, uh, space for everyone to play. And you brought others in, didn't you? We didn't sort of decide you're going to found yeah. something and be the sort of 100% shareholder. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that because I think it's an interesting perspective. Yeah, so I think one of the things that I learned from speaking to lots of MDs about how lonely the journey can be when, it, mm. when you're by yourself. Plus, I wanted to enjoy the journey. You know, I wanted to build something with, with some other people, something that we could be look back at collectively and be very proud of mm. and and that was the ethos around it when it came about that it ended up with uh, Chris and George joining you know the, the shares were split equally because again it wasn't about the equity of the money it was just about being in a going on a journey with some with some uh, guys I trusted have faith in and I knew that we could build something special together mm. so that was the that was the driver yeah. behind that I guess That's a, but that is a very I mean, it's a great ethos to have but it is a slightly different ethos but uh, perhaps a lot of you know people when they start to set out on the business yeah. journey particularly if they're the one driving it yeah usually yeah. it's kind of like let's keep as much of this for me as I can yeah but there was not that sense no, I, in I, you no because I think um you know I think I was old enough at that point even then to know you know some of my weaknesses I'm aware, I'm aware of even more weaknesses now <laughs> I um, think we all learn that way, don't we <laughs> you know um, especially since Covid it's been a really really challenging uh, time for, for everyone I think for, for different reasons not just in business but yeah you you know you learn about yourself but even back then I was aware of my weaknesses 
and you know working with Chris and George they brought something to the business that, that I just didn't have yeah. and I knew that with their abilities and the, you know the three of us we could actually grow something stronger better quicker that would actually end up being worth more mm. so it was more about that kind of thinking of a collaborative approach to to you know actually achieving even more yeah and you've recently sort of rebranded in Cyform. We'll discuss, you know, the reasons behind that into yeah. two new brands, The Study yeah. and in particular Runway. Um, so what's that journey been like in the last seven years to get to this point today, Lee? I think like any any business, you know, you, you, you start off with your core services and sometimes, you know, you get the allure of, oh, can you just do this for us? And you're like, yeah, we can actually. Not to say that, you know, we still didn't... There were certain things that we were obviously... We would always stay away from. But there were certain things that we took on. But I think back to um, a book that I read, which had the hedgehog concept in it. Okay. And this was about... Um, it was uh, good good to great. Okay. The academic study yeah. of what made the difference between a good business and great business. And there was three core principles in there. And there's one that... Whatever service you're providing, you should try and be the best you can at it, be that in the region, the country, or globally, you know, however you want to determine it. The the business model needs to stack up, but equally you need to be really passionate about it. Mm, yeah. And I think sometimes we get lured into offering services for the cash. Yeah. We can do them, but we're not uber passionate about them. Yeah. So I think Insightful's kind of shaped and moved and transformed over the years. And I think it's taken us this long to really identify what are we, what we're amazing at, what we're really passionate about, and what can we do where we've got a very strong business model. It's really good. It's really interesting. And it, in that, I think it's true, isn't it? Like you say, you started in Sightfall and you had, you know, a, a sort of web audit on speed type thing was the concept and that was your only project product and that's what you did but then off the back of that opportunities come and it's it's particularly in those early days of a business that startup phase I think it's really hard to have the discipline to say no yeah and it is only when you get maybe two three years down the line and you look back yeah and I often talk about I think to make a startup successful you've got to have focus passion and belief yeah um, and then clearly we're sort of talking about the, the focus piece about that, but you've also already talked about passion. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you can be three, four years into a business, can't you? And you've lost some of your focus. You're definitely not passionate about Completely. it because you've been beaten up a few times. Yeah. And then that belief yeah. in what you're doing starts to dissipate. And that can be quite dangerous, can't it? Yeah, it can be. And, and um, I, I think the main thing that I've probably learned over the last seven years probably all the big mistakes of how not how not to run a business mm. you know i think everything from you know cost control cash flow management hiring and firing i've probably made all the mistakes you can um <laughs> and i've definitely learned from them so i'm feeling a lot more positive about the way that we're going forward now the the rebrand itself was very much needed it's something that we've we've talked about loosely for the last probably two and a half years okay. about needing to really address our proposition you know yeah. insightful ux it gives a honus to uh, to user experience and we just we offer so much more than that now we're much more strategic we're much about the customer much more about customer research and helping clients become customer obsessed we're working in uh, new sectors such as the public sector 
now uh, as well as a private uh, and there was very much a need to split out the, the services into two core areas one predominantly helping brands with uh, growth, but again, helping them first understand their customer to a deeper level so they could form uh, the right plans. And then the other one that was a pure play research brand that helps public sector, private sector organisations, again, just to understand their audiences yeah. to a much more deeper level. And that's the distinction between runway and studies. It, it is, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And when you look at that journey over that seven years, do you... You pleased you've been on the journey, or do you now wish perhaps you'd have stayed in that kind of more corporate employed environment? No, I wouldn't change it. It's been the most enjoyable, fun thing I've done, uh, but also the most challenging times <laughs> ten. Um, you know, dreaming about cash flow and and and, and money and stuff and spreadsheets. Yeah. You know, but but again, I think you need to go through those learnings. Uh, of the of the tough times of difficult periods to really focus you and, and and make you understand that you don't want to go through that pain again <laughs> and and therefore how can we kind of put better practices in place and and bringing the right people around you to support you yeah. on on managing the business and i, th- I do think I, I do want to point out i think there's a very clear distinction as well is you could be amazing at what you do in terms of the service you provide but if the business isn't run well, you're not going to survive. No. And I think those are the kind of lines that, that or lessons that we've been that we've learned the hard way is that you you need to make sure that the, the fundamentals of running the business are right uh, in order to to achieve the the growth that, that you really want. It's interesting, isn't it? It's not just in the digital sector. I think it all business services type startups businesses, you know, products the same. But probably there's a slightly different nuance with products, isn't there? But is that usually the person starting the business does it because they've got expertise yeah and they think they can sell the expertise yeah so they kind of leave as you did as i did you leave your kind of corporate world you leave a safety net (laughs) and off you go and yeah but actually yeah you've got to have fundamentally that's not enough is that you do need a business model and what's your how you're going to generate cash and i think that's the that's the thing you know you go into the world and you might be great at what you can do but you know, you've never you've never run a business before, so you're learning as you go. Mm. You know, and I, and I think I think one of my big downfalls, if if you know, I'm very honest, is uh, I'm quite emotional. Mm. People probably won't, won't agree with it, but I actually care about people, and especially hiring and firing. That's been mm. one of my biggest yeah. hurdles to deal with. Is you know how bringing in the right people first of all, but then if they're not quite right for the business, doesn't mean they're not amazing people. They're just mm. not right for the business uh, of just letting them go early enough at times, uh, which is which again has, has detriment yeah. to a business. Definitely. So, but all those lessons I, I've uh, we've we've learned from. Yeah. But the service, I think, I think this is a thing that I'm really proud of. If you look at where we were seven years ago in terms of our actual service and the team we've got on board now. There is no comparison. You know, this is without a doubt the the best team that I've worked with in my career. And I'm really proud wow. of that, that we've managed to bring together some very clever, passionate people that genuinely want and are self-motivated to go out there and just do the best they can for a client. Mm. Um, and I love that. Yeah. It's great. That's good. Your eyes and your face comes alive, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, you can't see it, but, you know, Lee's, you know, really clearly very passionate and expressive about that side of the business. So before we start to sort of just move on, because I do want to tap into your expertise to the benefit of our listeners around, you know, digital growth and and all of those kind of things. 
But just, you know, I think it's been a really interesting conversation around startup, really. Yeah. And if you had, if I was sat here now in front of you and I'd come to you as one of the people I was going to take some counsel from, from starting my own business services yeah. business, what would be some words of advice? You've got three tips that you'd give Yeah, me. I think I did a post on this about a month ago on LinkedIn. Um, a lot of them are cliched and, and annoyingly I'd heard them all but never listened to any of them. <laughs> so, you know, the, the one I just mentioned, hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. You know, I think that's a, a core one. I think there's also an economy of scale that you get with employees as well. I think if you... If you can go out and you can afford to pay a bit more for somebody that's got the expertise, especially when you're small, you often find that these people are self-motivated as well. So if you can bring those people kind of in earlier as opposed to bringing in junior people for a small business, yeah. I think it's absolutely ideal. And those people will themselves, with that expertise, bring along their own ideas. Yeah. So they will help you grow well, you've themselves. You've got to have your ears open, haven't you? You've got, and we, we've seen that. You know, we've, we've got a fantastic head of research, Adam. He's not yet 30. Uh, and, and he honestly, he runs rings around us, you know, in terms of his expertise, his knowledge. You know, he dictates how that uh, area, that department is run, what we need to do. And he's just a joy to work with because you don't need to motivate him. He's just doing his thing and loving it because yeah. he's passionate about his subject. Yeah. So I think that the staff one is very key for me. Uh, the other the other thing as well is we've just brought in a an FD. Okay. So... I think for me, separating out kind of, because I head up things like new business, separating out sales and, and financial management yeah. for me and having somebody that's that's kind of independent, impartial, that can pull us up on the numbers and run through the numbers and explain things and say, this is where we're at, these mm-hmm. are the options, this is what we can do from from day one. You know, the one we've got is, is it's not a full-time resource, it's not, it's not even part-time. But she's there and she's amazing. Yeah. And I could call her so any time. And F- we, we know where we're at. It, you know, FD on demand. Just exactly. As a service. And it's just separated out. And I think for my mental piece as well, it's, it's even now it's starting to really help mm. of just having that function. It comes back to playing the strengths. Completely. And, and covering your weaknesses. Yeah, isn't it? completely. Completely, yeah. Definitely. Some good hints and tips there. So if we move on to talk about digital growth and digital growth strategies. I mean, <clears throat> typically what I mean a, a business is still trying and attempting to grow their businesses using web or are businesses now switching more to yeah. sort of social media you know because as a business owner myself yeah, you're yeah. a little bit confused where yeah. where should I be putting my time and efforts should it yeah. be the old school get yeah. out there build a build a network yeah, yeah you know build that black book should it be on socials or should we be spending more and developing more on our website yeah well it's interesting because it really leads into what runway is about so you know our proposition is that we're about taking market followers to become market leaders and we've been working on a program and and we've implemented the program with a number of clients over the last few years uh, working in, in different areas to really kind of see how we could bring the, a program together, uh, which we have now via Runway, and there's, there's different strands to it. But fundamentally, uh, for us, the, the first exercise starts with actually just looking at your current customer data and really trying to understand the most profitable pockets okay. of, of audience group. 
and then actually going out and speaking to those individually. Right. So let's say we identify three core audience groups and we you know we give them a name or whatever. We would then go and interview them, hour-long, in-depth interviews, talking to them specifically about the research and buying process they would go through to buy product yeah talk about the you know the quality of uh, service provision or everything really around uh, around that area and what you find from doing that is actually you've got different pockets of audiences that actually want to be engaged in different ways okay we were working with a big financial services brand uh, i think it was just it's probably about a year ago and they were looking at some different pockets of audiences and some consultant had come in without any without any research to back it up initially and and, and had said you need to spend dig, spend big on digital for all of these five audiences and they were advised to do some research with ourselves first to understand these audiences in, in more depth and we went out and engaged with these audiences and we found that Actually, the the biggest audience they were going to target, the last thing they wanted to be engaged with was digital services. Right. So you know this brand would have gone out and and spent a significant amount of money on marketing, building up a marketing team, material, deploying it. Yeah. The time to see it not work, and it it wouldn't have worked. You know the 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 audience were very clear that they were just turned off to digital. Yeah. But they told us what would engage them and how to be engaged. Okay. And they they deployed that instead, and that's working really well for them. It's really interesting, isn't it? So I suppose it's like anything is just yeah. Start with knowing your customer. Know your customer. Yeah. Go to the source, and it was re- it was interesting reading uh, some of the questions that you you developed for the for the chat today that it talked a lot about competition yeah. and um, on our on um, some of our material already we, there's a great Amazon quote uh, from uh, Jeff and uh, Jeff as if I know him <laughs> Jeff, 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 Jeff you know and it and it says um, uh, whilst our competition are keeping their eyes on us yeah we're keeping an eye on their customers okay so it's not necessarily f- for me it's great to have co- uh, competitor insights and we, yeah. we help clients with that and especially when we're benchmarking things like websites and we've got a whole process around that we can go into in detail in a minute if you like um, but it's really digging into understanding those different audience segments and I think this is this is important as well because I think a lot of the time a brand will come out with very uh, one specific message for mm. everyone and I think you need to understand the commonality of what's you know what's important to all of those audiences. But you can actually, with the the use of digital, go out and target audiences very specifically now on specific messages, mm. on things that are important to them, or specific problems that you can solve for that yeah. group. Uh, and they can be all different. And um, and I think that's where you leverage being able to maximize profit. Okay, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think the particularly in this you know maybe business owners that are less marketing and digital savvy we probably uh, are at fault of putting out one set of messaging and hoping it appeals to all yeah completely Um, and you don't need to be like that you know with the use of email you know Mm. as you said even social you can target it to certain demographics and certain types of people we can get a lot more granular but we're not we're we're almost awash with so much data Mm. that we don't know what to do we're snow blind uh, and we see it going into you know very sizable businesses that the data is just not in a decent state and we're retrospectively having to go back and 
help them you know understand things like what sectors some of their data is in you know and, and segments and things to help them then understand which which audiences are their most profitable yeah. which ones they should be going after so once we get to the point where we perhaps do understand our audiences better and maybe what appeals to them how yeah. do you go about you know, creating the the collateral that's going to appeal yeah. to them so, should we try and take an example? Yeah, that would be great. Should we, yeah, yeah, should we take a website, for example? So, what we would typically... Let's let's take a website. So, what we would typically do, before we actually did any audience research, we'd actually conduct a web audit first. And again, you know, we felt that most web audits are very subjective. So, what will happen is uh, somebody within, an, within the agency you've appointed will be asked to review the website and provide some feedback. But as you can appreciate, it's very subjective, mm-hmm. you know, to give it to, you know, Steve, uh, you know, Sarah next to her, you know, the opinions are going to be very different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we didn't think that that was necessarily the right approach to take. So we, we started to troll around the, the, the marketplace to just to and, and, and around just to see what else was out there in terms of a framework that would pull away the subjectivity from that process. And we, we found a, a great framework called the heuristic evaluation. Now, this might blow your mind, okay. but this this is an academically proven study and it's identified 140 best practices to apply to your website to make it easier to use. Okay. And they cover things from navigation, content placement, social proofing, trust and persuasion, or a whole... Okay, uh, all the things we probably have heard of. Yeah, yeah. so six key areas and what we actually do when we so we use that to see how many of the clients already got in play so we can know we know what else they need to do but what we do is we also apply that over the uh, three of the most competitive uh, competitors Uh, okay And, and the idea of that is we might find that competitor a for example has a better scoring for navigation so then we look at the way that they've approached their navigation, see okay. what lessons we can yeah. learn. So that's the bit where we do want to learn from the competition of, okay, what are they up to? Can we do it better? Yeah. But you've still got then got to sense check it against the customer because the competitor might have gone ahead and done something, but yeah. not might not be the right not thing. Not be what your customer base and your target exactly. market and audience wants. Yeah. So we we do that. So we do that, uh, and you know our decks are a mammoth and provide lots of analysis and, and screenshots really of treatments yeah. and, and ways to implement these things also uh, includes things like uh, revenue income potential because i think this is the biggest thing for websites as well and really why i want to focus on it was that uh, what we see is globally websites only convert one to three percent yeah, it is a really low traction rate. so we, we spent all this effort and time driving traffic to a website and then hardly anybody converts yeah so you know our, our ethos uh has been well if you've got a website that converts one percent and let's say you're getting 20 inquiries if you can get that just to two percent you've got 40 inquiries yeah it's got to be one of the easiest ways to to maximize growth uh, and it's it's one of the things that i've always done when going into a new business was work on the website first and get the conversion up because equally, every pound you're pumping into it, your cost per sale reduces. Mm. So if you're spending a hundred pound per se, it costs you a hundred pounds to generate a customer via PPC, for example, yeah. and your conversions at one percent. If you get to two percent, all of a sudden your cost per sale is only fifty pound. Yeah, and then you've got that extra fifty pound to drive even more sales. So yeah, sounds easy. Easier said than done, hey. Yeah, but if you again, if it, 
there's a there is a proven yeah. process there's to this strategy, stuff. There's a strategy. There is academic research. Yeah, there's there all you know those there's things. it's testing and iterating and you know after that we would do something like user user testing again where we get real customers in front of the client's website yeah. and the competitors to find out. What's stopping them from converting and buying? Yeah. Is it messaging? Is it navigation? Is there not enough social proof and confidence in the brand? What is it that's stopping people buying? As soon as you can identify those barriers, you can start to remove them. Yeah. And we've had huge success with that, you know, in terms of conversions. That's what I love about it. Going out and just speaking to the people and having that they're not even they're not light bulb moments, but just grabbing those insights that nobody in the room could ever could ever kind of identify. Because you're not in that mindset of the user, the customer, as they're going through that mm. buying process, which is very complex, as we know. Yeah, start putting the customer first kind yeah. of principle approach. So then, so we've kind of done the web audit. We've kind of understood that a bit more. We've understood our audiences. Yeah. We've started to develop, you know, and change the way we do things. Yeah. At what point in your kind of journey with a customer, yeah. with Runway, would you then start to ramp that up with some campaigns? and? Yeah. And what sort of campaign strategies are you seeing working in the current kind of environment? Yeah. So again, we um, we spent a lot of time on, on this stuff. Again, really looking at what's not really being catered for in the market uh, and how, could we, how we could be different. So in my mind, there is so many amazing agencies that drive traffic into a website. Um, and the main lever for most businesses that are digital, digitally focused in terms of wanting online inquiries or online sales, is just driving more traffic into the website. Mm. That is the only lever they have, but they don't, okay. in my mind. So we've mentioned web conversion, yeah. which I, you know we just talked about. Also within that, you've got upsell and cross-sell. Okay. So I think, again, a lot of businesses are focused purely on retention. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, on acquisition. Yeah. Where we think, actually, if you can speak to your customers and identify what more you could be selling to them that's not of value, you know, without spamming them to death yeah. like we all see. Because I think that's one of the things w- that, w- that, that's been bad for digital is that we've got this data, we don't understand it, yet we just send... We just bombard. Bombard people. Yeah. We, and it just create loads of noise which confuses even people even more. But what about if you engage with those customers that have bought for you for, you for some reason, you find out why they've bought from you, and you engage in a conversation with them to say, actually, if we wanted to provide more services or product to you, what would be a value to mm-hmm. you? You know, And you find that out, and then you can upsell and cross-sell more easily as well. Yeah. So you've got that. And, and the, beyond that, the whole retention piece. You know, so... For us, it's all about activating these additional levers, you know, of upsell, cross-sell, average order value is another one as well, yeah. within the website and email uh, and, and retention. You start to go to a model where you're trying to look at how you increase lifetime income as opposed to just revenue. Yeah. And for us, it's if you've got that great value exchange where you're providing the right products and services and creating that, it's a nicer way to create loyalty. And it's a nice and easier way to grow the business because you've got a nice firm retention base mm. and it's not just purely acquisition. Yeah, you're not which just churning. You're just churning yeah. and you're filling up the hopper constantly, which we all know. And you know, I've, I've sat in businesses there when, you, when you're doing that and it's really hard work. Yeah. You can just make it so much easier for yourself. Yeah. 
in my mind. So yeah, we're approaching things differently uh, with this model. So when we when we engage with a a brand and we we help them understand their customers, we call it experimentation, and we predominantly work uh, helping them with web experimentation, email email experimentation whilst we also look at the the wider customer journey yeah. and how we can help that aligning kind of pre-sale, post-sale, you know, marketing, all of that area and operations and delivery. Yeah. So we're we're trying to upscale the the whole the whole journey. And and that customer journey piece is really interesting, isn't it? And I again I think it's one of the if we talk about going from startup to scale. Yeah. I think it's the businesses that are able to scale do start to understand their customer journey. Completely. Yeah. But in a, typically in a business, and this probably isn't a typical answer, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway, Lee. Yeah, yeah. Typically, when you go in and you start to do that kind of investigation around what the customer journey is, yeah. how many businesses do you think really do understand their customer journey? And what do you think some of the common errors yeah. and mistakes or areas for improvement are? I think it's, for me, it's more about really embracing the value of a customer as not just being another sale, mm. about them, again, really taking that time to understand them and therefore understand trying to understand how they can communicate better with them whilst also kind of creating a customer feedback loop so they can gather those insights and just continually improve. Mm. What I love seeing is, is more that kind of light bulb moment with clients where they start to see the value of the work we do of like, ah, I get it now. I get why it's so important to go out and find these insights. When you start feeding those nuggets of insights back to a client that everyone was like, oh, I didn't know that. But actually that makes perfect sense. How did we not know that intuitively? (laughs) Uh, And it's like, oh, we can do something with that. You know, I did, uh, we've done some work for the Dorset Chamber recently. Okay. So we did some surveys and we did some focus groups and I ran a session with the the team, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, uh, at the Foundry. And again, what was really amazing for me about that is that it identified some very clear opportunities in terms of service provision that are not being met at the moment. Okay. And it's only by going out and speaking to people that you can identify these things. So, you know, the, the being customer obsessed not only creates uh, ability to, to make marketing easier, to acquire customers more easily, to retain them, it creates opportunity that you didn't mm-hmm. know was there. Yeah. And I love that. I think yeah. it's great. That's the excitement in it. Yeah. It's definitely the excitement. And have you got any really sort of maybe a case study that you could just you know put this all you know we're having a great conversation and as we start to draw a conversation towards a close it'd be great to hear if you got a particular case study that you can yeah. name the client name and you can talk I can, about I, that you're proud about I, I can talk around some sectors and things okay. if it helps or some some areas because it's quite so. useful to see that kind of yeah, practical yeah. side of it then for yeah so listeners. um so one client we're working with are they're trying to so just to put this in context, Runway is about working with brands that, that do want to lead a market in some way. Yeah. You know, they don't want to just follow it. They want to set the standard, be that providing the best best experience or, or, or whatever. So there's one client that we're working with in the business energy market at the minute. Okay. And they're wanting to transform the currently awful experience yeah. that businesses have to go through and these guys are really putting in the money to really become customer obsessed 
and understand every touch point and how they can alleviate uh, the pains yeah. that people go through during that process. And uh, I completely take my hats off to them. And when you've got a remit like that of knowing that you're going to fundamentally change your marketplace, you know, it's fantastic. And we've got we've got a grouping of clients like that at the minute that are invested in, believe in the power of uh, being customer obsessed, built great teams around it, uh, and bring in our expertise to really help them, help take them to the next level with that. There there are plenty of brands out there still looking to kind of grow and and really take advantage of marketplaces where the service provision is very poor. But by being customer obsessed, you can set yourself out from yeah. the crowd. So, for example, we you know with the the business energy market, we we were able to identify some routes to market again, which marketing channels we needed to use for some very specific segments, uh, segments that weren't digitally digitally kind of orientated. It was like okay, well, we were a digital business and they don't want to be digital. How can we get about that? And we found some ways still within the digital realm that will work. And what I love about this brand as well is they're really quick to activate stuff. Mm. I mean, one of the things we're great great at is we're absolutely bang on in ensuring we're speaking to the right people. I mean, we, we've had uh, teams of people in, infiltrate things like young farmers uh, events mm-hmm. and things like that yeah. to get in front of the right people because, in my opinion, a lot of research companies don't go to those lengths mm. to really get in front of the person and have those in-depth, hour-long, half-an-hour interviews that you really need to understand an audience. So we're great at that. So uh, George and the team spent a lot of time speaking to micro-business owners uh, and feeding the insights into the team as we were going. So this does so research can be really fast now as well. Mm. And as we were doing that, the team internally uh, for the client, they were developing brands on the fly, uh, campaigns on the fly okay. and implementing them and testing them. Wow. So it can be really quick. Can, and, I suppose yeah. that's the speed of tech, isn't it? And, yeah. And, and that ability. And yeah, I suppose we all maybe think of marketing and, and that kind of customer research as being quite a slow yeah. process. We've got another client, uh, software, where they they had a feeling that the, the market leader probably has about 50% market share. And they've just been heavily invested in because they've got a feeling that they can, they, they themselves can, can become market leader. But what they've, you know, rightfully done is they've asked us to go out and actually speak to the customers of their competitor to identify the likelihood of switching, okay. you know, what the drivers are. Yeah. And before they obviously invest large sums again to try and take on yeah. the, uh, Don't do it the blindly, do it with knowledge. Exactly. And I think that's what's great about a lot of what we do anyway is we de-risk a lot of things, mm. a lot of thinking. Because we get certainty and understanding of an audience yeah. to make the to help make the right strategic business decision, but in in this instance, the the research is coming out is that the uh, the the mark the leading market player, the audience isn't loyal. You know, if the right if the right proposition right was presented in the right way, they would definitely look at and happily jump ship. So again, the, it gives the, you the confidence then yeah, for that client, for that client to, put the, to put on the gas and off they go. Exactly. So you know, potentially we could have a conversation with them of uh, using that research to then, then help con- develop content and messaging, and then email and web experimentation to help that. Whilst they have, a, have other partners to drive traffic into the website. Brilliant. Yeah. And 
obviously sat here in 2023. It's kind of a been a weird year in many ways hasn't it but been a weird year in terms of the economy and one of the things that is often seen is that when things start to get tough and slow down people sort of de-invest yeah from their digital marketing yeah creative yeah. agency spend yeah are you, are you seeing that in the market or do you think people now really believe that they do really need to invest in their digital and therefore persevere i think uh, it's, it's a hard one isn't it yeah. i think uh you know, I think any finance person, and I think there's lots of them out there of being holding on to cash and keeping it back, and uh, you know, it's their right to do what what they think is best for the business. But equally, I, I've I've gone into businesses at a time of uh, I remember 2009. I was brought into a financial services brand where everybody else in the market was pulling back spend. Mm. We invested and we gained an amazing amount of market share from them. So I think it needs to be an ongoing investment, probably more than anything now. I think the world has changed so much. I think audiences have therefore changed a lot in the way that they want to buy, the way they want to live, the brands that they want to invest in. So I think it's I think there needs to be a ring fenced amount of money to stay in tune with your customer so that you can ensure that when you are investing those marketing budgets, they're being spent in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I suppose it's that research, that spend, that focus and and I suppose it's like anything in life, isn't it? But I think marketing and sales is one is being consistent, isn't it? Well, I think, um, you know... Tap on, tap off isn't probably the way to do it. I'm a, I'm a marketing purist and I fundamentally believe and that most people don't understand really what marketing is. Because for me, without audience research, it's not marketing. Yeah. For me, it's just sales. Yeah. You know, you, you're assuming a, the right fit for a product or service and you're going out and pushing it on somebody yeah. as opposed to understanding the real needs and wants of the audience via research to then fulfil that need. Yeah. And I think we therefore make it harder for ourselves where we've got, I could probably write down at least 25 instances where we've had clients that were going to go do one thing and the researchers told them to do another and it saved them a whole chunk of cash. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That distinction between sales and marketing. Yeah. Again, which I suppose in, a, in the SME world, in that kind of entrepreneurial world, we don't always understand because it's not where we've come from, is it? So you're right. Yeah. We think we know what the customer wants yeah. and we just put put the spend in but rather what, but, than researching it first. Completely, but, what, but what's great about, as you, you know, you, you rightfully mentioned technology, the technology available, the methodologies available, the level of insights that you can get very quickly now are just unbelievable. I mean, we, we can run surveys within and get results back within like a week. Yeah. You know, there's panels of audiences out there that we can pay to use and add on additional questions and the insights, again, they're just gold. And they don't co- it doesn't cost much to run these services, especially consumer research. So, you know, the knowledge is out there. We just need to be spending a little bit more money from our marketing budget, you know, say 10% or whatever, towards the research bit, mm. or upskilling our internal teams to understand how to take research. And I think, uh, I think it's a, you know, a recipe for success. Lee, as we round up our conversation, always end with, you know, one specific uh, question. Uh, and that is, what's your own personal definition of success, having been on the journey you've been on? Oh, um, I think 
that changes, doesn't it, over the years? It does. I think probably like a lot of business owners, you know, we, we've come through, you know, a rough period just due to the market, not necessarily because of what we do. Uh, and I think there's lots of businesses closing even now. I think, you know, I saw the stats that there's never been as many businesses closed this year as in, uh, I think the last time was 2009. Yeah. So we're going for a really tough market, and uh, you know I feel f- sorry for a lot of those businesses because, again, it's not on it, it's not a reflection of them or the service they provide. Mm. The market's just not there, the demand. So, for me, you know the the rebrand that we've gone through, bringing more stability. Uh, for me, it's I can kind of see the shoots now of really getting to enjoy the work again yeah and i think that's that's what's really important to me now is just getting to a place where i'm really really enjoying the work uh, and i'm not having to worry about the business side of you know uh, of money and things like that so that separation that we talked about is going to be yeah. helpful so i'm looking forward to spending more time on client work and new business and, and just getting out there and seeing how we can genuinely help uh, solve the problems of our own customers brilliant fantastic and if people want to learn more about you and more about runway and the study where can they go how can they make contact yeah uh, they can have a look at our website which is uh, runway uh, consulting and yeah more than happy to have a coffee a chat with anyone that just wants a bit of guidance uh, and advice on on how to become customer obsessed or how to start with running experiments across the website or email or, or whatever always happy to help Brilliant. Really enjoyed our conversation and thank you for the insights that you've given around, you know, that particularly being customer obsessed. I think there's a real strong theme and message that's come out of this conversation, which I'm going to personally reflect on. So thank you, Lee. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. And don't forget, if you'd like to learn more about Evolve and the services we offer and how we can help you and your business confidently start, grow and exit, then please go to evolveadvisory.co.uk. Please also help and support this podcast by subscribing, liking and giving us a positive review on your favourite listening platform. Thanks for listening and see you next week.